Ron and Anian. I had a wild week. I, like, holy cow, you know, we everything was just one roller coaster after another this week. The car doctor. Danny, we, you know, buckets of water. We're trying to, because we don't want a fire extinguisher it, because that just makes a bloody mess out of everything. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Let's get together and talk about it, whatever's going on, fender to fender and door to door. This is the place to be. If you've got a car problem, we're going to help you solve it. More information at cardoctorshow.com. And uh, thanks for taking time out of your busy weekend or whenever you're listening to this show, podcast or otherwise, or live broadcast on your affiliate or however you're taking it and uh, spending some time with us. We uh, we enjoy each and every one of you. We really do. And uh, we're glad to be here for you. Hello once again to Mr. Ray and uh, Mr. Tony as I look out across my control room window and uh, see two of the brightest minds in radio today uh, occupying this space. Would you guys get out of the way so I can see the picture of those two guys? Where are they? Well, they're in that picture hanging (laughs) on the wall Uh, because it can't be you two guys, Um, you know. So, Tony, put your shoes back on. You don't need to count your toes to know how many buttons you have to push. So let's uh, let's go over and kick open the phones. Tony, can we go? uh, You want to introduce the next guest? You did such a good job last hour. Next on line one is Al from Maine. Al from Maine. That's it? Just is Al from Maine? Can we get a little pizzazz? Next on the Car Doctor Show is Mr. Al from Maine. I like that. That was good. Al from Maine, you're on with the Car Doctor. How can I help you, sir? Hey, how you doing, Ron? All right, sir. What's going on? What's cooking? Well, I had a 2001 Ford F-150 come in with a multiple cylinder misfire. Okay. And, um, well, I had a lot of trouble tracking this one down. Um, started poking around and found, uh, Found the plugs, you know, the, the plugs are, are pretty bad. So we replaced the plugs and uh, saw a little bit of tracking on the boots, but the boots are in great shape with some dialectic grease on the boots. And the um, car ran fine, didn't have any misfires, and sent it on the way. Okay. So it comes back. And uh, now it's got multiple zone misfires, but they're on different cylinders. So I got looking around again, and I'm, I'm taking it for a test drive, and it's it, it doing the classic plug converter. It needed no power and a wide open throttle. So I bring it back in the shop, and I put my digital thermometer on it, and one cat's running really, really hot, you know, up, up 250, 275. The other one's cool. It's down at one. 
fuel coming out of the injectors. And uh, it, it, a lot of them just didn't look right. There was not a nice cone. You know, it was it was a sporadic uh, fuel. So I said, well, you're going to have to have some uh, fuel injectors. So uh, we get the injectors. And my tech brings out one of the injectors, and he's looking inside of it. He says, what's that? And I said, what? And I took a look at it. And Rust? Said, oh, no. It was white. And he started digging it out, and it was granular. Sugar? And it was sugar. All of the injectors were plugging with sugar. So uh, this is this is really a challenge because it's not something you something you expect. Right? Yeah, it's it's different. It's very different when you see this. This is one of those this is one of those cars that when you when you get to the end and you haven't figured it out yet, you go, "What haven't I or what don't I normally see?" And that's always the answer. So what was the end result? The end result was we replaced the injectors and it runs fine. Uh, you know, we we replaced the fuel pump, we replaced the filter. Flush the tank. Uh, What's that? I'm sorry. Flush the tank. You know, flushed no, all the... F- not, we did not flush the tank. The tank was clean as a whistle, believe okay. it or not. Um, the fuel filter that we replaced was really, really bad. I mean, it was uh, it was really dirty. Right. But that, that, those are the type of things that we run into sometimes that we just... You, you don't expect. You let, don't me, let, coming, then. let me ask you this, Al. What kind of scan tool are you using? I'm using a snap-on okay um you're aware i just uh, i'm not trying to rub your nose in it but i just want to make sure you're aware there's you know there's cylinder contribution tests in that tool right i did not know that yeah take a look because you run into another ford ford's pretty good ford does two things really well there's usually a cylinder contribution test in factory software and there's also a cranking compression test in factory software so there's yeah. some yeah there's some really great things. So you get a Ford that's misfiring or not running on all the cylinders, or you know it's got a shake to it. You want to go through compression or you want to go through and ID the cylinder quickly. There's usually some form of a cylinder individual cylinder test, a cylinder balance test, a power balance test, and a cranking compression test. The other thing I want to address is you had said that the cat inlet temperature was 275 degrees. I'm pretty sure that's low. We'll see cats get up as hot as 450 to 600 degrees on on some stuff. We'll see newer things get up beyond that. So well, the thing is, when I when they brought the the vehicle back with these two aftermarket cats uh, welded into it, um, I got I got sort of the same thing, and I cut them both open um, because I, I didn't trust my uh, back pressure uh, gauge. Right. And one of them, one of them was empty. I mean, this, this thing was just leading me, I, and I think all the wrong directions. But uh, well, here's here's the point I was going to. What kind of what kind of heat gun are you using to determine cat temperature? Are you using one with the little red dot, the uh, infrared type. Yes. Yeah. Watch those. I actually don't use mine anymore. It's it's accurate. Yeah. It's accurate, but it's not accurate. All right. It, it it tends to show you. I've 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 had cases where 
you know, it'll it'll show me a temperature reading and it's off by 200 degrees because it's not really centered on the dot. It's not really where the dot's pointing. I'll be pointing it right at the pipe and the, the actual heat sensor is missing and going past the pipe onto something else. So, wow. you know, there there are some, yeah, no, there are some heat guns out there. First of all, if you've got a snap-on guy, the thermal imager, it doesn't have to be a snap-on, but I happen to have the snap-on thermal imager gun, and it works really well. I like that. I wow. like that yeah. tool. All right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. worth the money. Uh, but they also make they also make infrared guns now that have better bullseye accuracy for the, uh, um, you know, whatever the target is that you're shooting it at. You may want to look at that. Um, you know, so just just be aware of that. The other thing you can always do is tune. If you have a modus, take a look at. You, you're familiar with mode six. I'm not. I'm not. I've been. I've been really looking to get into that. But so I yeah. You know, take a look at mode six. Do you belong to IATN? I have, but I don't. I'm not right now. Okay. So you know, get back to IATN, or there's some other places you can find Mode Six information. IATN.net has got some great references and resources for you know just other than the mechanics forums and the conversations that go on there, but just good solid resource information from the manufacturers. But you know, just look at Mode Six. Get yourself a book for Mode Six. Go look up uh, Jerry Trulia, G Trulia, T R U G. T-R-U-G-L-I-A, Jerry Trulia. Uh, matter of fact, the TST uh, big event's going to be coming up in March. We're going to be there doing a live broadcast. Right. Try and get down to that. Get some of Jerry's books on Mode 6 and some of the other things he writes about. You know, Mode 6 is the basic language of how the computer determines whether or not it has a fault. And it's in your snap-on scan tool. It's there. And it's 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 there for your use. You just have to learn how to interpret it, which is welcome welcome to the business, right? Every day is a learning curve, um, you, you know. But listen, you you did a great job. I mean, you you, you got through a toughie. Um, I I just want to point out that I think cylinder contribution, and I don't want to you know have hindsight twenty twenty, and you know we could have done it faster, but. You know, using the tool a little differently, you might have gotten to some end results a little bit quicker, but you would have ended up in the same place. But you learned something. You went to misfire. You went to misfire school that week, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I did. I did. Yeah, that's that's okay, brother. That's just the way it works. Listen, a month ago I went to ABS HCU uh, class on an 08 expedition for two weeks, but I figured it out. Uh, you know, yeah. it, it it happens. That's those are the ones that stay with you. So, but uh, yeah. good job, man. Good job. Good job. Thank you. All right. Hey, Ron. Yes, Ron, you're priceless. Oh, thanks, Al. Listen, I appreciate you guys. Uh, I appreciate, you know, some of the smartest people in the world fix cars each and every day, and they get up the next day and they do it again. So, uh, you know what? It it, 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 it it takes a lot. Um, anyway, I got to go, Al. You have, a good, you have a great rest of the afternoon, and uh, thanks for tuning in and being part of the Car Doctor family. 855 I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. Proud to be here and happy to serve. I'll be back right after this. Keep Ron's number handy, 855-560-9900, for when you really need advice on your car. Here's Ron. By the way, I should point out in the next couple of weeks, we um, we have finished finally the um, Mac Tool Diagnostic Cart. We added the big uh, big screen TV to it. I'm sort of creating my own tools now. We uh, we added a um, I don't know. It's got to be like a 35 or 40 inch 
television screen is big because I'm old and I can't see anything anymore. And uh, we're going to interface that with some of the scan tools in the shops. When we do the YouTube videos, you'll see it on a big screen. We're going to be shooting those. Oh, we'll get some up there by uh, between now and March. So you can look for that out on the Car Doctor Facebook page or on the YouTube channel. Uh, make sure you get out there and subscribe to either one. And if you need me during the week, Ron at CarDoctorShow.com. Let's go over to Jason, Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania. Jason, welcome back, sir. What are we working on today? What broke? Well, uh, the Lexus is still in the garage, but this time I have a Ford, uh, 2010 Ford E350. Okay. That uh, every time I fill or any time I put gas in the uh, the van, um, it's a rough start. And so I finally figured out after the third time trying to start it, if I undo the gas cap, uh, it starts. Okay. So my wife drove for no check engine light. My wife drove for a week or so, and then check engine light came on. And it's a P1450, and uh, on my scan tool, I believe it said uh, fuel tank not leading vapor. Correct. And yep. so, of course, I go to Google and check everything out, but it, um, and I got on some Ford forms, and uh, they said it could be the purge valve. Correct. Now, that doesn't mean that it's my problem. But uh, I just want to see, get your opinion before I dig into this tomorrow. Yeah, well, the best diagnosis to try and find do, it. Do, 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 and understand my questions. Just, just I want to know where we're at. Do you, do you know what a purge valve is or how it works? Um, I believe uh, the vapor in the tank. That's uh, how it releases as you're as you're filling the tank with liquid. All that fumes has to go somewhere. So right. It goes so they. Line. Right, and actually, it actually pulls off. Off, uh, it'll well it depends on the system. It either pull through the canister, through the purge, or through the tank, or it'll go right to the tank and, and work its way that way. But yes, you are correct. So okay. what what we're saying here is, in essence, on the engine, and I believe on this one, if you're standing in front of the vehicle, and were to take off the intake duct, you know where the throttle body goes. You know what the throttle body is, right? I'm assuming. Um, Okay, so stand, look at the throttle body, take off the intake duct, Uh, the dipstick's on the right, the thermostat housing is basically right in front of you, just to the left of the throttle body, you'll see um, a short hose, a valve that it plugs into, and the other side will be another hose that kind of disappears down the back, that's the purge valve, it's got an electrical connector, which I believe it's either a two or three wire connector, all right, that's the purge valve. What, what what 1450 is generated by the most common fault is that purge valve sticks in the open position. All right? So they, okay. they, they close the purge electrically, and then they open it at various times to purge the canister or the tank, depending on how the system, what vehicle we're talking about, is set up. And what it's doing is the system is seeing... The, the fuel tank pressure sensor or the gas tank being pulled into a state of vacuum on a constant basis. So it's setting a 1450 that it's, you know, telling you, hey, something's wrong. Part of the reason why you may be getting the rough start, you know, after you fill up is if the purge is open, what's going to happen? It's going to draw fuel, right? Yeah, all that fuel. Right. It's going to draw. It's going to draw fuel because... At, at when you started after a fuel up, the purge would normally be closed. So this is a pretty simple test, all right, if you can get to it, because it's a van, right? This is an E350, not an F350? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, so once you identify the purge, and like I said, that, that description is probably accurate to the degree that I'm comfortable with giving it to you, that if you find... The not the side going to the throttle body, that's the vacuum source, but the other side of the purge valve, 
all right, okay. that where the longer hose is. You know, thumb and forefinger, grab the clips, depress them, pop that hose off. If there's fuel in there, that's wrong, all right? Then we, okay. we, we're on to something. But likely we're not going to see fuel. What's going to happen is you're going to pop that line off, put a rag there just in case there's some spray. I'm just being cautious, all right, and start it up. Remember now, if you've got the intake duct off, you're going to have to put the intake duct back on and hook up the mass airflow sensor and so forth. But start it up. If if you take your if you take that hose off, that's the you know feed coming from the evap part of the system, the tank or the canister, and you put your finger over that nipple with the engine running, and you've got vacuum there. That pur- that purge valve is open. Okay. All right. Now, right. now the other the other part of this is disconnect disconnect this purge valve electrically, because if that valve is disconnected electrically, if it's unplugged and you've got vacuum there, no ifs ands or buts, that valve's bad. Okay. All right. All right. And you know, let's. Yeah, that's that's yeah. I want to diagnose it properly before I I just presume there's the purge valve. And right. It, it, in case it could be something else. Right as well. now, if you want to, if you want to get a, a feel for how the system works, if you're, what are you, what are you using for a scan tool? Oh my, it's uh, some uh, generic one that I got from uh, Auto Parts. Yeah, that's okay. It works. But it, yeah, that's yeah. okay. It, it should have an FTP or fuel tank pressure sensor reading on it. Which uh, I, it might. Yeah, which it which might, I yeah. think is required by OBD two law. Bring up the FTP. And look at the FTP. Look at the fuel tank pressure sensor reading. You'll you should see it being pulled into a negative state, meaning it's under vacuum. All right. You know th- there might be two readings for the FTP. One a voltage reading, the other being uh, pressure or vacuum state. But let it l- watch it. You'll see it being pulled into a negative state. That means there's there's vacuum being pulled through the purge when it's not supposed to. All right. So again, real quick, find the purge, unplug it electrically. All right. Disconnect the feed side coming from the the, the canister, that longer hose, and start it up. You sh- you're probably going to find vacuum at the canister purge, which means there's a purge problem there. If it's not, then we got to talk again. There's something else. But sticky canisters and failed purge valves are the most common. Make sure you get a good quality part to replace it with. Jason, I appreciate it. Say hi to Joe Namath. I'm Ron Annie in the car doctor. I'll be back right after this. so you don't forget to call for car advice done right. 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Hey, let's get on over and talk to, uh, let's go talk to Don in Waynesport, Pennsylvania. Don, you're on with the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, Ron. Yes, sir. 2005 Yukon Denali. Okay. Um, having a trouble when I get into it, turn the key, no starter, noise, no nothing. Um... On warm days, fires right up. Now, I went up on Google and I was looking around on some YouTube videos, and they're telling me that it's a security problem. It shows a guy using his uh, lock button back and forth, opening the door, slamming the door, and then he turns the key. 
sometimes I have to sit and turn the key 50 times before that thing will catch and do something. Do you ever hear this problem? Yeah, that's and that's possible. So let me ask you this: when it goes into the no no crank condition, right? It, you, you'll turn yeah. you'll turn the key and nothing happens. Does it have dash lights? They they dim right off when I turn the key. They dim right off. So you'll turn the key. Yeah. You'll turn the key to run as if it was in run position. You'll have normal dash lights. The red lights, check engine yeah. light, ABS, so forth. Um, you know, yep. warning lights. They'll all come on. You turn the key to crank, and they get dim or they go out. Uh, they go out. I'm sorry. Okay. And then you release the key and they come back. Yes. All right. So, and then to get it started, you do what? You you cycle the key 20 or 40 or 50 times? Yeah. So where I'll use the uh, remote lock, lock the doors, unlock them, open the door, slam the door. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Okay. And it, it, it's intermittent. It doesn't happen every time, but when it happens, like this morning, cost me, I was late for work this morning because of it. That right. made me mad, and I decided to call you. Okay. Well, that's cool. I'm glad you did, because the next step, you would have been rubbing your belly and standing on one leg trying to get this thing to start, and we can't have that. Right. It, it, it makes a spectacle right. in traffic. So, you know, you really, here's, here's a case where you really need a scan tool. All right, Some, and I don't mean okay. an OBD2 scan tool. The, the very first thing we want to do is we need to scan to look to see, do we have what the computer sees as a theft event going on, all right, or do we just have a plain old-fashioned bad starter and the Internet's leading us down the wrong path, which is it, all right? The, the fact that it's intermittent, that it doesn't happen all the time, that it's temperature-sensitive... I don't see where or how it could possibly be a fuse-related issue as far as a blown fuse. I know everybody always also talks about that. You know, I've seen things with poor connections in fuse boxes, and I've seen fuse boxes themselves do this. But in order to get there, I've got to eliminate that it's a security fault. So I would love to see this. If we were at the shop, I'd have a scan tool plugged in, bring up the immobilizer or anti-theft screens, and rotate the key from off to run to crank, and what does the scan tool say? Does it report the same conditions um, You know, as, as, as a position of the key? That's number one. Number two, are there any anti-theft or theft issue faults detected? It'll set codes. Now, keep in mind, and here's a perfect example of why check engine lights aren't the be-all and end-all. Um, Check engine lights come on. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a real quick test here, Don. Check engine lights come on because the vehicle emissions exceed one and a half times the legal limit. All right? That's law. All right? So if the car was, if the car was in an anti-theft event, meaning that it set a security code, you think that's going to turn on the check engine light? No. No. Right. So how are you going to know? The only way you're going to know is you've got to scan it. And you can't go in. Okay. Here's a case where you can't go in on OBD2. You can go in on the same port, but you can't use, you know, I always, I always say this, and this isn't my statement. This is the industry. There are, there are two languages available at that port, OBD2, which is, you know, government-mandated emissions and manufacturer-specific. So you've got to go in. If you notice, there's 16 pins there. <laughs> one of them speaks OBD2. One of them speaks manufacturer. Uh, by plugging in the right scan tool, you're going to go in and, and, and speak to 
the scan tool on the manufacturer's side. And here's a case where we, we now call it system health or health check or, you know, all DTC scan. We're going to look and see, well, you know, what, what kind of codes are we getting out of this car? You know, just to see what sort of information is in there. And, uh, you know, this is a case I think that the future is. The future is now where we're going to start to scan cars on an every, you know, six-month basis just to see what sort of faults are coming up. It, 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 it'll tell us things. Um, it's going to be expensive now, to work on cars this, in the coming years. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Will this carry a history to show me that there was security breaches? It can, yes. It's, 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 worth, it's, it's a worthwhile event to happen, or, or at least to try. Okay. L- let, me, let me ask you this question. Um, do you have tilt wheel in this car? No. Okay. Because sometimes tilt wheel, the, the, the wheel flexes and breaks the two white wires coming out of the lock cylinder if this is a theft event issue, and it makes them very fragile. So, okay. you know, first things first, let's scan it. If there are no security faults, all right, then you're going to have to drive the car, wait till it happens again, and get it back to the mechanic the very next day, if not that day. And if there are still no security faults, then what I'm going to tell you to do is go down to the starter and have the mechanic wire into that purple wire. There's going to be a purple feed, which is the, tr- the trigger for the starter solenoid. Yeah. Um, have them just extend some wiring up to the passenger compartment. You know what? A, do you know what a 194 side marker bulb is? Yes. Okay. Just have them take a 194 side marker bulb socket, plant it somewhere in the passenger compartment, and uh, you know the next time the car goes into a no start, if he's wired it correctly, every time you start the vehicle, that bulb will light because the solenoid feed, the solenoid is the relay on the starter, so to speak, that actually makes the starter motor turn. It's, it's like turning on the blender in the kitchen. It, you flick the switch, the light goes on, the blender runs, you flick the switch, you turn the key to crank, the light comes on, the starter cranks. You know, and just open the glove box, and you'll, you know, if you want to put it in the glove box, that's fine. I, you know, um, you can always tell if you ever buy a used car and there's 194 side marker bulbs um, wired into it, it was probably at the shop. So we've got more than a few <laughs> around with different, and, you know, and the nice thing is you can wire in different, oh, yeah, it drives people crazy. They're, you know, wow, look at this car. How come you got a white bulb, a green bulb? A, you know, we'll actually paint bulbs different colors and give them to customers. And, you know, which bulb lit? The green one. Okay, that's bad. Uh, you know, it's because um, this could just be a plain old bad starter. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's no rule that says it can't be. And you know, okay. it's 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 just a matter of deduction and just you know just just normal and of course and I'm bypassing it I'm not having the conversation with you you know how's the battery or the cables clean we could voltage drop test the batteries under load make sure we've got good clean connections I'm kind of assuming you've done all that or the mechanics done all that that's that's sort of one of the basics yeah. too um, you I know. told my. I told my wife it was a neutral safety switch, and she's telling me to get my butt up there and fix it now. <laughs> well, you know, listen, it could be a neutral. It could be a neutral safety. Sure, put it in neutral. Does it change anything? And absolutely, um, you know. But if if we if we just start to attack it, you know, logically, that's all. Just right. listen, Every every problem on a car can be figured out logically. It just takes time and effort. That's that's really all it is. 
and it's it's just yeah. a matter of staying calm and fighting your way through it. Um, I, I always tell everybody, I say this to Danny in the shop, I've said this to all the mechanics that have ever worked for me, look, and I get aggravated too, we all get aggravated, guess what, we're human, we'll be perfect when we're dead. Um, you, you know what, It's you, you still got to fix the broken car in front of you, and it, yeah. at, the, at, at the end of the day, getting aggravated at it, just raises your blood pressure and shortens your lifespan. It's not worth it. It's only a car. You'll figure it out. Just hang in there. All right, yep. sir. Hey, I got I to gotta tell you something. Go ahead. Um, I've been in many a shops, and I've listened to the lead mechanics arguing with their employees about something they did wrong. And you, this is an honest truth right here. I say to them, hey, you need to shut that radio off put on Ron and Adam's car doctor show and let these mechanics get educated because if you're going to sit there and yell at them because they don't know what they're doing, at least Ron can teach them what's going on. Well, I tell you what, I appreciate that, Don. I, you know what? I, I, I've said this for many, many a year. I'm not, I don't think I'm the smartest guy out there. I just kind of know where to look and find it. And that's, you know, it's, I'm just about research. I think research and understanding the changes. We had a shop bring us a car this week for a uh, computer flashing and it was a, I don't know. I just think they misunderstood the process and what it's supposed to do. So, um, you know what? Education is just very important and paramount. Don, I appreciate the call. Let me know how that goes. If you need more help, you know where to find me. I'm Ron Anini in the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. We'll be back right after this. Back, Ron and Andy, the Car Doctor, eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Car Doctor's twenty four seven phone number. Let's get over and like, uh, our weekly visit with Walter in Hawaii. At least I get the guy. I've never been to Hawaii so many times in my life. Walter, what's going on? Hey, aloha, Ron. Yes, sir. <clears throat> uh, two, one real quick thing. It's called. I gave it to both of my daughters. It's the Girls Auto Clinic Glove Box Guide. I have one of those in the shop. Yeah, I've seen a little gray. Is it? Is that the gray paperback book? I think yeah it is yeah and yeah. Uh, it's written by a woman in yep. Chicago who has yep. her own shop yep and uh, it's yep. very good yeah it's very good and that's it, for it, the woman you talked to at the first the top of the first hour I yeah. think yeah yeah we um, sure. yeah no I have that in the shop but um, yeah thank yeah. you thank you what's going on I sort of saw the picture Walter is this about the picture yes um, that piece of metal that's flopping around there is 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 that loose and just moving around at the bottom of the crank sprocket. Basically, yes, and it, it, it obviously it will spin when the crank spins, but when the crank's still, it will freewheel, and it goes between the sensor and the uh, block. So, what does the sensor trigger off of? Because that looks—I can't see it in the picture, but that looks like the trigger wheel for the sensor. It, it seems to me it should be something like that. Yes. So it shouldn't just spin freely. Right, I agree with that. And would that screw the timing up? Well, sure. Well, here let's okay. let's look at it like this because I didn't see the sensor in the picture. Pardon us, folks. Okay, well, have, you well, looked, have you got the picture handy? No, no, I still I for whatever reason it, New Jersey doesn't like things from Hawaii. I don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> okay. You, you know, but but basically the sensor comes in and it looks like it lays against the top of that that piece of metal that's floating there. If the yes, if the if the piece of metal is in that right. part of the revolution, it, it's the sensor it's, is on the top of the gear. 
Okay. Uh, you know, the, the uh, timing belt gear. And is the, is the trigger built into the sprocket, or does it look like the trigger once was that shield? Boy, that's a tough one. It looks like it. It looks like a separate piece. Okay, that's what I'm thinking. So yeah. let's let's do it like this. The sprocket's perfectly round, except for the teeth of the timing belt, right? Exactly. So then that piece of metal that's floating around has to be the trigger. Yes. If that's loose and flopping around, then that's a problem. If that's the yeah. case, so you've got to get a parts blow up of what's supposed to be there or how that's supposed to go together. There's something physically wrong with how that's assembled or working because I, I know of no reason why they would have a loose piece of metal flopping around the crankshaft at, at, at crank speed. That's that's a recipe for disaster. That's what I thought too, and yeah. I, and I can't. There's no rhyme or reason why it would be loose. Right. So to me, it should have been part of the crank. Mm, yeah, I don't think so. Or at least, you know, part of the where it would always end up in the same spot when it's, you know. You got a you got a Mitsubishi, you got a Mitsubishi dealer nearby? No, and and I can't even get a manual for it. Mm. Uh, I tried to get a manual from Amazon, and they had one left, and I put in for it, and they uh, only uh, only for you, Walter, because I love you. Send me the VIN again. Email me the okay. VIN. I'll see what kind of pictures I can come up with. All right, kiddo, I gotta go. I'll talk to you during the week. 855-560-9900. Running into the car doctor. Coming back right after this. Out of my Welcome back. Running into the car doctor. Let's real quick get over to Bob from Phillipsburg, New Jersey. Mr. Bob, how are you today, sir? Uh, oh, we're doing just wonderful. Uh, the 1965 Volkswagen Beetle, it's a real car, uh, needs a battery. Okay. Uh, it's 6 volt, 19 out. I've been online looking, 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 and... Uh, the one supplier that I bought this original battery from uh, is about three years old, went out of business. And I'm looking at Exide, whether the one's going to be available or not, though. But who do you have uh, for suppliers um, for batteries? Like, you know, Exide's okay. Keep in mind that there's only – the last time I looked four years ago, there were only three manufacturers of batteries in the country. And everybody's just basically going to these manufacturers and saying, build me a battery to this spec. So to that point, all right, I think the brand of what you buy is, is just as important as who you buy it from. You know, I, I like the Bosch batteries, and I would clearly go to a Bosch. I'm, I'm looking at a Volkswagen, man. There's nothing like parts from, from Germany, right? Um, not that they're just strictly a German car company battery or simply a, a strictly a German car parts company. But, uh, you know, here's a classic case of why not? And I would get out to BoschAutoParts.com and see what they've got available now. You're also going to find AGM batteries, and AGM batteries kind of come into the mix. It's probably a little too high-tech for a 65 Volkswagen, but you want something at that level. You want something at that level of a Bosch battery. You also, you know, if it's possible to have something that incorporates power frame grid technology. Um, I don't know off the top of my head if that exists in a Bosch, but if it does, it's it's you're going to get it regardless. But um, you know, while Exide is not a bad battery, um, the one thing I would look at is case dimensions and how well will it bolt in. And I'd be willing to bet that the Bosch battery bolts in a whole lot better. All right, I would bet you the physical case size is going to line up much better on the Bosch than on anything else because the fact that Bosch was OE on that vehicle makes sense. 
Makes sense. Yeah, I would um, I would clearly say that. How you feeling, Bob, real quick? Everything good? Not, yeah, we're getting there. We're okay. getting there. All right, cool. Hey, listen, you take good care. Don't be such a stranger, and it's good to hear your voice. All right, you're welcome. And, uh, wow, two hours, over and done. I'm, uh, I'm Ron Eating the Car Doctor. I want to thank Mr. Tom Ray. I appreciate him being here today. I want to thank Mr. Anthony. As always, his uh, nimble fingers on the keyboard kept this radio show going. And uh, for everyone else, thanks for stopping by. It was a pleasure to be here with you. And I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor reminding you, the mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See you.